Amen. I'm glad to be here this morning, church. Glad that you're here. If you have your Bible with you, would you please turn to the book of Mark, chapter 3. And as you hold your finger in Mark, chapter 3, I'll begin a series this morning called the Reaction of Jesus series. This is simply the reaction of Jesus to many of life's situations. Jesus had a reaction to the devil. Jesus had a reaction to the hungry. Jesus had a reaction to the rich. He had a reaction to the proud and the humble. Jesus had many reactions, even the storms of life. Jesus reacted to the church. Jesus had a reaction to politics. Jesus had a reaction in all points so that He as our high priest could deliver us truth and allow us to have the confidence by faith to come to Him as that high priest and deliver the answer in whatever situation we're presently in. The Bible says He's an ever-present help in the time of your need. While you have a finger in Mark 3, if you would please turn also to Isaiah chapter 61. We will read the first three verses of Isaiah 61. I would like this to be a verse read every time as we share in this series before we show the reaction of Christ to a life situation. He gives us the very reason that he was sent and anointed to preach. He does plenty of preaching in the four Gospels. So I would like to start Isaiah 61 verse 1 with the equipping of God to the only begotten Son, that is Christ, written wonderfully by Isaiah, 66 books, 66 chapters. Did you hear that? The Bible has 66 books. Isaiah is written with 66 chapters. The Old and New Testament break at the 39th and 40th book. And as you break Isaiah in the 39th and 40th chapter, you have the voice of one crying in the wilderness. There's no accidents here. But in the 61st chapter, verse 1, this is what's said. The Spirit of the Lord God's upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the meek. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted and to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to them that are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all that mourn, to appoint unto them the mourning in Zion, to give unto them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness." that they might be called the trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord. Why? That He might be glorified. This was the first preaching of Jesus Christ as He entered the synagogue, lifted up Isaiah chapter 61 and declared the very verses I just read to you. He stated the equipping of God for Him in the earth, And as we read the four Gospels, the reaction of Jesus, we must first understand, without the equipping of Christ and the anointing of Christ, 
there would be no proper reaction to what the world now plagues us with. That's called the troubles of life. So Jesus was equipped. He was anointed. He preached a captive. You just heard the reading. Please study that for the next weeks, if you would. Isaiah 61. Now, with your finger turned back to our text today, we'll be in Mark chapter 3, verse 1 through 6. Six verses we will take a look at in the reaction of Jesus. Mark chapter 3, verse 1. I'll read all six verses, and then we'll go back and begin to unpack, if you will, the reaction of Jesus himself. Chapter 3, verse 1. And he entered again into the synagogue, and there was a man there which had a withered hand. And they, watching him, whether he would heal him on the Sabbath day, There were they, did you see that? There are those who watch Christ just to see if they would heal on the Sabbath day, that they may accuse him. Verse 3. And he said unto the man which had a withered hand, Stand forth. And he said to them, Is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath day or to do evil, to save life or to kill? But they held their peace. And when he had looked round about on them with anger, being grieved for the hardness of their heart, he said to the man, Stretch forth your hand. And he stretched it out. And his hand was restored whole as the other. And the Pharisees went forth and straightway took counsel with the Herodians against him how they might destroy him. This is simply the reaction of Jesus. Jesus, to give you a little background on this verse, in the first chapter, had been in the city of Capernaum and went to the synagogue. And his first visit, the synagogue, by the way, if you're not sure what a synagogue, it would be equivalent to today's church. It was a Jewish synagogue. In the synagogue, you had primarily Pharisees, possibly Sadducees, maybe some scribes, and also some very hurting peoples we see represented in this passage of Scripture. But his first visit to the synagogue brought a a great alarm and a great notification to everybody present, not only in the synagogue, but in the city, that Jesus was here to do the will of God. And he found the first time a man who had an unclean spirit, and Jesus simply cast out the unclean spirit. That was his reaction there. And then he began to, to move throughout the cities and the region, Between that chapter 1 and this chapter, you can go back and study for yourself. He's healed the paralytic man, the the paralyzed man, the man of palsy. He has also dealt with with other very miraculous situations. And and we find ourselves in chapter 3 verse 1 with it starting saying, and he entered again. This was not his first visit. They have witnessed Christ and this anointed power that we just read in Isaiah 61 to touch broken and hurting people who are hungry and in prison, maybe not literally in prison, but they certainly could be. 
and those who are imprisoned by their own fears. And Jesus is on the move, anointed by God to move toward all the broken things of the world. And wherever you are, and I want you to be able to learn in this series the reaction of Christ. And we can learn His person. We can learn His nature. We can learn this by the Word of God. And then know where He stands when we find ourselves in a situation just like the Bible taught to us. We can have confidence and faith that if Christ was able to reign supreme over the situation, maybe our faith could raise us out of the ashes and give us some kind of beauty. Take the heaviness of our life and allow the garments of praise to be, as Isaiah 61 wonderfully said. But right here, he's entered again the synagogue. Again. They've seen him once. Now they're ready for him the next time. He's come the next time. It says that there was a man with a withered hand. I love it that the first one mentioned is somebody who's broken. He didn't first mention the eloquent speakers. He didn't mention the song service. He didn't mention how great he thought they were. He mentions a man with a withered hand. And maybe that doesn't sound like much, but if you had a withered hand in the day, even our day, can you imagine trying to provide for your home? If you were a man asked to do the physical labor and the things of life, what would be the job opportunities or not? It doesn't say much about the man with a withered hand, but I'm certain that in some ways you may not know that he had a withered hand. He may not want you to see it. I'm not sure where he sat in the synagogue. I don't know if he was on the front or the back row as we're sitting in rows today. The Bible doesn't tell us. But I would think if I was withered in any area of my life and I found myself hurting and humbled and coming to the house of the Lord, then hiding my hand that was withered, maybe covering it up as I talked, but having some hope in God, that it would bring me to God's house. Maybe I don't know how long this man served, it doesn't say, but I know that when Jesus causes the eternal writings on these pages to be declared, that this man mattered. This man's withered hand, no matter how small it may look to anyone in the synagogue, was the first thing Jesus had marked write about. Make sure you talk about the man with the withered hand in the synagogue. I would like to ask the Lord, Lord, is this what motivated you to go? Had this man cried out, we don't know. Has he prayed like I've prayed when I was so hurting and not sure of what to do? And regardless of what my experiences were, I had confidence to go to the house of the Lord that maybe God would help me that day. Was this the motive? We don't know. But first, we do know that the man with the withered hand is the first one mentioned. Wouldn't you like to know that with whatever you're dealing with today, you may very well be the first one mentioned if God were to rewrite the pages and bring Riverton First Baptist Church to the forefront 
Jesus stopped by Riverton First Baptist and then just put your life situation in there and mention your name first. I hope that you can leave today with the confidence and the faith that God is all-knowing and all-powerful. That Christ is an eternal interceder. And no prayer that you've prayed ever goes forgotten. That it dances and lays itself even though at times our faith is crippled by the facts of life. It never changes the truth of God's Word. And the facts may lay themselves though crippling your faith, never persuading, never moving the interceder eternally on your behalf as you have declared it unto Him. He sits on the right hand of the Father today to pray for you, to move on your circumstance. Verse 2 says, They watched Him. And they watched Him. And they, they, they watched Him. They watched Him. Who was they, Lord? I said to myself. My intention was to read all four Gospels this week. Let God try and examine my own heart. Light a fire that could burn in a pulpit that would not cause men to move, but God to move. Because hungry and broken and the hurting are among us in our communities and in our churches. And then I seen they, they watched Him. What did they watch for, Lord? I'm learning the reaction of Christ. What did they? They were different than the man with the withered hand. They were here. They were in the synagogue. But He was in the synagogue. And Christ would come to the synagogue, not for the they, but for Him. They watched whether He would heal Him on the Sabbath day. Think about it. The only thing they were watching out for was whether or not He, that is Jesus, would heal him. And they wanted to watch and observe. Why? Continue to read the verse. That they might accuse him. Jesus has now put himself in a vulnerable position. He's among the him with the withered hand. And the they that would always watch for one purpose, that they might accuse Him. Now Jesus in verse 3 says, unto the man. He knows they're present, the they, but He wants to talk to Him. You see, Jesus came this day for Him, not for them. But for him, he said unto the man that had a withered hand, stand up, stand forth. So wherever he was, probably in the back, probably hiding with his hand in his coat or his pocket, 
Wherever he was, Jesus says, stand forth. It would be the equivalent to saying, come out from among everybody and stand right here in the midst of this. Can you imagine, it doesn't say, but can you imagine this being uncomfortable? I don't know what his prayers were, but my prayers, if I was the man with a withered hand, and there were nights where my wife couldn't feed our children because I couldn't get the job that I needed, I would have prayed to God, God, will you help me provide? I don't want to be rich, Lord. I just want to be a father. And I want to be a husband. I just want to go to work. I don't know if he prayed like that. It doesn't say. But if it was me, I would pray like that. And I would want to give a handshake that men don't forget. I wouldn't, I wouldn't want the withered hand. But this man had a withered hand and Jesus had him on his mind. And I know that if I'm in a situation today and I pray in my weakness and my toil that God has me on His mind also. And I want you to hear that today. Whatever you're toiling with, Jesus has you on His mind. Have you been praying and placing your faith and your weakness and wherever you're at? And can you at the end of this see the Bible not only to be true, but to be believable to the point that you're willing to apply this Word of God to your own life? Let it change your week, subsequent days. That we are not just hearers of the Word, but we'll be doers of this Word and we will thrust our cares upon the Lord for He cares for us. But I love it that Jesus brought Him out. He didn't call the eloquent preacher of the synagogue, the priest, the scribe, those who thought they were wonderful. He calls the man that's got a withered hand. Come forth. Come forth. Get right in the middle of everybody. He's about to say something to the man with a withered hand. And oh, how we need to get in the midst sometimes. Really get out there where God can move us forward and quit hiding. Just say, Lord, I just need to bring this before you. And you may hear in the preaching today a voice that says that to you. I just need to bring my situation forward. It may not be a withered hand, but it may very well be that my faith is withered. I've got a doctor's report this week. I've got one coming up. I've got family that's not going the way I hoped it would. My expectations and all of these things aren't looking the same. And I feel like at this preaching that the Lord's saying to me, will you please come forth? If you could hear the voice of Jesus and the the, the conviction of the Holy Spirit as He does this, He would want to bring you forward because we know that He equipped Christ to be the anointed one to come and do this for you, to release you and help you and and, and, and take you out of the prison and clothe you when you're heavy. This is why, remember why we read the verse first? He was equipped to do this and now Jesus is actually doing this in these verses with a man who's hurting. Jesus, this is the reaction of Jesus to you. I mean everything. Don't let anything be off limits if your life doesn't look like it's what you're wanting today. Maybe Christ is saying, come forth. I came in today. I brought you here because I want to meet your needs. I'm the anointed one. I'm the Christ. I'm the Son of God. Can He say that to you? 
And as the man stood forth, in the fourth verse, he said unto them, keep in mind, he's now saying something to them. They've now got in the conversation in the view of Christ. There's a him and there's a them in the synagogue this day. He's brought the man forward, and I'm sure as he stood in front of Christ, he now turns to them and he says, Is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath or evil? What he's saying here is, God sent me to do good. You came into the synagogue to do evil. My Father sent me and anointed me to do good. He's the good news. Preaching the Bible and the gospel is the good news of the gospel. He's good news. And the good news was God came to help a withered man's hand. But in the midst, He said, Is it good? To, do you want me to do good or evil today? This meant that God came to do good. You came to do evil. You come to accuse me is what He's saying to them. He's talking to them. Is it good for me to save life or to kill it? I'm saving life and you're killing life. You're killing my church, He's saying to the people. You're killing it. You're the them, and this is the him, and this man maybe couldn't pay his debts. He couldn't get it done. And I stepped out of heaven on God's green earth to walk into the synagogue and meet the needs of this man with a withered hand. And today, if you can hear the Word of God preached, there is a him in the church today. And then there are the thems in the church today. And the thems come to accuse not Jesus today, but the preachers. They come to accuse and how they may take the report. The message is clear. Jesus Christ came not only to be resurrected, but to allow men and women to get on the cross of Christ and crucify their affections so that men get in a pulpit and declare the Word of God and the truth of God to a generation that may have tried to sway them to be political, sway them for the numbers, sway them for the money. And at the end of the day, God said, I want you to please me and bring back the fruit of my offering, which is Christ the Lord. And so I crawl into the pulpit today out of an old milk barn to declare the Bible one more time. He then says to the man, please, let's continue to read as we wrap up this message. They held their peace. They didn't have any guts. They're normally coward. When he looked round about on them with anger, he was grieved because they had the hardness of their heart. And he says to the man, now he's back to the man, stretch forth your hand. And it was when the man stretched it forth, the Bible now says, as he stretched it out, it was restored as whole as the other. And then the Pharisees went straightway to counsel with the Herodians against him, how they might destroy him. I'll never understand, but I want you to see the reaction of Christ. Christ reacted to a man with a withered hand. He then gave an answer to those who had the hardness within their own heart to only be the accusers. Do you see in this verse? They went and got with the Herodians. Do you know who they were? They were a political group that wanted a Herod to end up being a political office. They didn't even agree with one another. But because they thought this would bring strength by getting numbers against Christ, they could maybe remove him and get rid of him. Are you with me? 
Can I say this as this message goes on the broadcast? I have nothing to hide. God called me from nothing at 17 years old, brought me out of the grave, passed me from death to life, and this is the gospel. And He never called me because I was just paid. He calls me because I'm a preacher. And the price of blood was paid out of eternity so all of mankind could hear the answer of God, the good news of the gospel, that no matter where you are, and if you hear this by radio broadcast, and you're tired of talking about hypocrites in church, maybe you ought to convince it here. Amen. Because the pasture's got green grass, the fence is up, and we're here to do the business of God Almighty. He never looked for the crowd. In fact, he left the crowd most of the time. The Bible, the Word of God, is able to deliver us. We must search our hearts. We must, as we come to the place And the house of God understand there is a reason we come together. That we assemble. We are the bride. We are the bride of Jesus. We are the body. It matters. And I know some listen by podcasts or iTunes, the radio. It matters that you come on Sunday morning to where God wants you to be. Don't let an excuse of a hypocrite or a Pharisee bring you away from the truth of the Word of God. Are you hurting? What's God called you to? What's your ministering? Have you ever been placed? Are you just hard because you wanted to minister but never found a spot that had enough grass that you could grow on the will of God? Aren't you so glad that today we've learned the man with a withered hand didn't leave with a withered hand? The challenge of our hearts is not just a challenge whether you like the message. The challenge is, will we leave the same way we came? He wants to bring us into contact with Him as we both worship and prayer and believe the Word of God to allow our lives to be changed, not challenged. And I'll end where I started. The Lord God. The Spirit of the Lord God He says upon me because the Lord's anointed me to preach the tidings unto the meek. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captive, the opening of the prison to them that are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, the day of the vengeance of our God, to comfort all that mourn, to appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garments of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they might be called the trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, and that He might be glorified. God must be glorified. This is why we come together. The reaction of Jesus to the church of His day was there was the they's and there are the hymns. He come into the church for the hymn. He then looked on the they's with the anger. And I understand after almost two years of pastoring who the hymns and who the they's are and as long as I live and as long as there's breath in this body I will declare the word of God to a broken people dying that Christ came to be anointed for so he himself could be God Almighty in the midst of their life no matter where they are I don't care about the money I don't care about the numbers what I care about is that God be glorified at the end of the day and Christ be exalted and the word of God be true and there's still places today where you can go and hear it preached the truth of the Word of God that makes you free, that sets you free. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. There's no one like our God. And I'm happy to serve Him today. It will bring some afflictions with it. But don't worry, saints, as we crawl on the altars and pray, 
God will give us the strength that we need. Let's be the men and women that God asked this generation to be. And quit making excuses for our busy lives. Excuses for why we don't serve God. Let's not use the hypocrite nor the Pharisees an excuse. Let us come with confidence as the man with a withered hand. We could crawl on the altar today and say, Lord, I'm a hurting person. I've had divorce. I've had everything that come against me. Can you help me? And know that today we've learned His reaction to the broken is I have come today to stand you up and bring you forth. And before I leave, you'll be made whole. And that's what Christ said.